Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. going down and you know what that means it's time for me to record another episode of my podcast the beautiful dead as always i'm your host lena nazari you can find me by going to lenanazari.com there's links to social media there's a tab that will show you all of my appearances there's a way to sign up for my street team which if you don't know about my street team that means you help me get the word out about the podcast and my books and in exchange you get swag. So go check that out. You can also join my fanged family. They get emails from me. I let them know about appearances before anyone else. They also get to see um, the covers of my book before anybody else. Um, And they get to know what the podcast episodes are going to be about before anyone else. So it gives you a chance to watch it before I ruin it. Speaking of appearances, So those of you who follow me on social media, you'll know that I was in Canada last week from the Supernatural Convention in Toronto, had the freaking time of my life, sold out of my books by the morning of the second day. So I had two full days of um, no copies of Bite Shift. So people were very kind about it. I was afraid people were going to be mad. But um, instead, they just kept congratulating me, and then people ordered it on Amazon. And if they ordered it on Amazon, I gave them autographed posters for free because they felt so bad. And then I found out credit cards wouldn't work once I left the country, so I could only take cash or Venmo, and people were super nice about that too. So had an absolute blast. That will not be my last Supernatural convention, so heads up. If you uh, join my mailing list or if you just watch my appearances tab, I do plan on doing another Supernatural convention, so you'll just have to watch and see which one. There's also um, an appearance I'm really excited about, but I do not want to post it until it is a sure thing. So you're just going to have to hold out. You're just going to have to let me tease you for a little bit because I don't want to say anything until I know what's happening. But for those of you who follow me on social media, you'll know that I came back exhausted, as you can imagine, and then got hit with a lovely cold. Um, Thankfully, I tested negative for all the things. So it was just a cold. It was a crummy cold, but it was a cold nonetheless. So I spent a few days sleeping that off and then got myself like back to uh, the human world. And now that is why this episode is late. So I apologize. But the next episode will go up on time. We'll be right back on track. And uh, hopefully I'm not going to get sick like that again for a long time. Uh, For those of you who have been um, paying attention, 
and listening to my podcast, you will know that I got myself a little tarot reading. I was um, feeling a little lost when I left the hospital and graduated, kind of feeling like a what, what now? And uh, I got a six-month tarot reading to kind of help me focus on what to do next. So I already read July on a previous episode. And that was essentially telling me that I needed more discipline if I wanted to grow in the areas where I wanted to grow. And I have been doing that. I've been really good about getting this these episodes out and working on my next book. Um, I've been really good about doing the things that I know I need to do to grow and reach my goals and someday have my dreams. So you'll be happy to know that um, the only thing I will say is it said maybe to look out for like a mentor or a trainer or a new friend that would help me succeed and help me um, get to my goals. If I met that person in July, maybe they, I just haven't really seen yet that that's their purpose in my life. But as far as the being more dedicated, for sure, I've definitely gotten more disciplined. So I'm going to read you guys August. And then I will update you as things happen. And um, at the end of August, I will let you know if it came to fruition. So my card for August was the Eight of Swords Upright. And that is a picture of a woman tied up, trapped and constrained. But the question you have to ask is by who? Because nobody else is in the card. The person who did my reading for me said... I didn't understand this the first time I laid eyes on the Eight of Swords, but now I understand it. The woman is alone. She has the opportunity to break free, but she chooses not to. She's locked in her own cage. It's time to consider where your feelings of constraint are coming from. Are you so focused on potential catastrophes that you don't see your opportunities? Are you being limited by your own thoughts or beliefs? I read a book about cages once, how we build them, live inside them, and never venture out because it's easier to stay in our cages than try and understand what exists outside of them. As I read, the image of the Eight of Swords engulfed my mind, and for the first time I understood why this woman chooses to stay constrained. It can be easier to stay in a bad relationship than muster up the courage to leave. It can be easier to work the same safe, comfortable job than trace your dreams, chase your dreams. It can be easier to agree with everything your family and friends believe than to forge your own beliefs. But is life supposed to be easy? Remember that book I was talking about? The author said this, eventually I finally asked myself what I wanted instead of what the world wanted from me. So that is my focus for for August and um, I started August in Toronto and then came home and was laid out for a couple days but it, it did give me the time to really kind of think about where in my life am I constrained where am I holding myself back what am I maybe afraid to do next so that is my tarot reading for August I will keep you guys updated if things come to light I'll also let you know if my mentor uh, or trainer or whomever has come into my life and I've started to recognize that. But you guys are not here for a tarot reading or for me to ramble on. You're here for vampires. So let's get into the vampires. 
I was pleasantly surprised with this one. I'm going to go ahead and ruin my review first off and just tell you, like, I'll, I'll be one to admit when I'm wrong. And I, my impression of this film was very wrong. Uh, for those of you who never listen to the podcast, massive spoiler alerts. I ruin it all. I, I tell you the whole freaking movie. So don't be mad at me if you listen and then you're like, oh, man, she ruined it. So this movie's called Suck. And I stumbled across it on Amazon Prime, and I thought, eh, why not? And uh, hit play, and for the next 90 minutes was just, like, blown away by what I was watching. Uh, let's go ahead and do a summary. The film follows a struggling rock band called The Winners as they tour across Canada and the United States. After band member Jennifer is turned into a vampire, the band quickly gains a following of groupies attracted to her newfound beauty. As their infamy grows, the vampire hunter Eddie Van Helsing, Helsig learns that Jennifer is a vampire and vows to hunt her down. While on tour, the band members are each turned into vampires one by one. Although the band continues to grow in popularity, band member Joey loses interest in the vampire lifestyle and eventually convinces Jennifer that they should become human again. After a brief altercation, Eddie agrees to help the band upon hearing of their plans to become human. They track down Queenie, the vampire who turned Jennifer, intending to kill him. During the fight, Queenie kills Sam and nearly kills Eddie before he is stabbed in the heart by Joey. The band members become human again as the result of his death, and they happily return home. Six months later, Joey and Jennifer are shown to have grown bored with their human lives in suburbia, and they're approached by a bartender who had previously served at their gigs. He reveals himself to be an entity more powerful than even Queenie, and he offers them the opportunity to be even more powerful and more famous than they were as vampires. It is implied that Joey and Jennifer accept the offer despite the chaos caused during their time as vampires. So you guys might notice a little extra editing in this episode because my throat's still a little bit sore and I still get these terrible coughing fits, but I will do, I will do my very best to get through this and I have water right next to me, so we're good. So I saw the trailer. I was certain it was going to be low budget, as low budget as they come, but I will do anything for you guys, including subject myself to terrible movies. So I thought, why not? First, listen to the the actors and the rock stars who pop up in this movie. So Moby, Iggy Pop, Henry Rollins, Alice Cooper, Dave Foley, and Malcolm McDowell. Every time somebody else walked on screen, I'm like, how the hell are they getting all these people? Um, a little trivia, the word vampire is not used until 39 minutes and 50 seconds. A lot of it's implied, but it's very obvious um, what they're supposed to be. And we do have a vampiric crossover. So Paul Anthony, who plays Tyler, was actually in Blade Trinity. As soon as he walked on the screen, I was like, wait a second. Um, and lots of vampiric references in this, too. So after helping Jennifer dismember some bodies, Hugo starts to go a little bit crazy and eats flies, which clearly is a reference to Renfield. Then during a scene um, of the band driving the hearse to the next gig, they cross a bridge and there's a red sky behind them. And we see 
eyes appear, which is very similar to a scene in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And then, of course, the hunter's name is Van Helsing, clearly a play on Van Helsing. So there's um, this movie is fun for people who love rock music and vampires because there's like just little nods to both through the whole film. Um, let's let's break it down a little bit. So in this universe, what is the vampire's relationship with humans? Well, it's a pretty standard human-vamp interaction in this universe. The vampires walk among us unknown. Um, the humans are enthralled by the vampires, but really more Jennifer than the boys. We don't see that sort of like um, allure or enthrall happen with anyone but Jennifer. So maybe it only works for the girls in this universe. Um, and the vampires just want to eat the humans. Um, we see them make some pretty stupid choices when it comes to victims. So we know the desire to feed is pretty strong. But it's a pretty basic like vampire-human relationship in this universe. How are they perceived? What are their appearances? Well, Queenie is the first vampire that we see. It's pretty quick into the film. And he is stereotypical vampire. Very pale, bright, light-colored irises, long black coat. And once Jennifer is turned, she is obviously different. Her irises are bright blue. She's pale. Her hair has changed. It's shiny. Everyone comments on how different she looks. Um, and once Joey is turned, he slices someone's throat with his nails. So we know at least some of the vamps have long, sharp nails. Um, we also see that when they're fighting or feeding, their irises turn red. Fangs. So Queenie is the first vamp we see. He has two sharp canines on each side of his upper jaw. Um, then we see Eddie kill a vampire. He, the vamp sleeping in a coffin and Eddie like bursts into the room. And this vampire has four sharp teeth across the front upper jaw. Then we see Jennifer as a vampire. She is the same, like two sharp fangs on each side. However, later the other band members are turned and Tyler has just the two sharp fangs, but others have multiple fangs. So I guess it, I don't know, I guess it changes based on the vamp. And we know they're retractable because later they're singing and we see that the fangs are gone. So blood. Vampires need blood. We actually see Jennifer stab a straw into someone's carotid and suck their blood out, which is freaking amazing. And uh, if they go too long without feeding, they get like sick. So we see Jennifer convulsing and vomiting and then she eats and now she's like all better. So she mentions later that she's had some cow. So unless she's lying, these vamps can live off of animal blood, but they do need blood. And the longer they go without it, the more they sort of appear to be sick. Like they almost look like they have the flu. Food. Once, once they're turned, we never see them eat food, only drink blood. Um, and actually, once Tyler is turned, Joey starts to kind of figure it out because he realizes that Tyler hasn't eaten in a while. So that was a dead giveaway. See what I did there? Dead giveaway. Holy items. We see the hunter um, chase and fight vamps, but we never see a cross. So I'm going to guess holy items don't work because it, don't you think if he were fighting vampires and a cross repels them, he'd have a cross. So the fact that he doesn't makes me think that uh, holy items don't work. 
sunlight. So we actually see Jennifer in the sunlight just after she's turned. She has a scarf around her head. Uh, it looks like the windows to the car are tinted, but it's definitely sunny out. And she's obviously not feeling well. But I thought that was because she needed to feed, but maybe it's because she's in the sunlight. So then later, when the other band members return, Joey says, why aren't they sick in the sun? And they say, we didn't feed. So I'm not sure if that means that they were turned because they haven't fed or they're not fully turned so they don't get sick in the sun. But once you turn, you can be in the sun, but only, but it'll make you sick. I don't know. It's so confusing. And then later when they're planning on killing Queenie, Eddie tells Joey that he needs them to distract Queenie until the sun comes up. They knock on his door and he says, what are you doing here? The sun's almost up. So I'm a little confused about how sunlight affects these vampires. I think when it was written, they didn't expect somebody to like really pick it apart. Um, so there's people in the sun, not in the sun. They're sick. They're not sick. I, I, I don't know. Um, sleep. So Eddie does kill a vampire that's in a coffin, but Jennifer and the band don't have coffins. So I guess you can sleep anywhere you want. Uh, you should probably stay out of the sun, but some choose coffins, whatever. I, 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 I don't judge you. You vampires sleep wherever you want to. I don't think I would pick a coffin. I think it'd be more of like the big bed with the gauzy curtains all around it. That's just my style, but you know, you do you. Powers. So they're fast. They're strong. They can talk to other vampires with their mind and they can turn into fog because Jennifer even mentions it. Once they realize she's a vampire, they start asking her and she's like, yeah, I can turn into fog. And we even see Tyler floating at one gig. So maybe some of these vamps can also fly. There's not too many rules for the vampires. We, we know that they can't cast a reflection because Joey, um, after he's turned, says, I'll never be able to look at myself in the mirror. And his bandmate says, you can't. You're a vampire. So we know they can't be seen in the um, mirrors. But there, it was funny because when Joey realizes that Jennifer's a vampire, he makes rules for her. So I had to write them down. One, no turning any of the other band members into vampires. Two, no more killing humans. Three, no more lies. Obviously, that's all out the window. How are they turned? So for a good chunk of the movie, we never actually see the turn. So I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to address it. But when Jennifer turns Joey, we do see it. She bites her lip, kisses him, so he ingests her blood. And that's it. And it's pretty quick because then he goes on stage as a vampire. How are they killed? Eddie stakes one vamp with a wooden stake and a hammer. So pretty classic. Queenie is killed by a guitar to the heart. That's right. You heard it. A guitar to the heart. Um, and then he bursts into flames and explodes. So he leaves nothing behind. Now, here's the twist. In this world, vampires can be made human again. The hunter explains that when the one who made you is destroyed, you turn human again. But I think more specifically, they mean the creator of the line. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. It was a little confusing because after they kill Queenie, then everybody that Queenie ever turned goes human. Since Jennifer turned the bandmates, 
I guess when she went human, they went human. So I don't know. It's a little bit confusing. Um, but that, again, I don't think the writers of this movie ever thought that some podcast host was going to be like dissecting the vampire rules. But here we are. Are they good or are they bad? So like many of the vampires we cover in this world, once you're turned, you can choose to be good or bad. Jennifer and the band work with the hunter to kill their maker. They try to feed from animals. However, we do see them murder some a good number of people, some people they probably shouldn't have murdered. Um, and then Queenie, I guess, is supposed to be all bad. We don't get to see him much. So he turns Jennifer... Um, and then he's killed. That's pretty much all we see about Queenie. So whether he deserved to die or not, I don't know. All I know is he's the one that turned Jennifer. So yeah, sucks to be him in this movie. All right. Tropes I love and tropes I hate. I love the trope of the vampire suddenly becoming desirable to humans. In this one, they really, really play it up with the girl. Um, we don't see it with the men. So I thought that was really interesting. So it wasn't like the men suddenly had a whole bunch of female groupies. It was just the, it was just her. I also love the cliche, how cliche the vampires are at the first party. She shows up at this party and they're like all in a circle around her singing. And they are the most cliche vampires <laughs> like ever. And then they randomly break out into song but it was so bad that it was amazing and um I know this is not vampire related but I freaking loved the whole like the manager will do anything for the band trope the manager played by Dave Foley who I love plays this so perfectly he helps them get victims he cleans up the body he makes excuses for the behaviors it's so funny all vampires should have a manager like him and then the one bandmate that never gets turned hugo is like everybody's slave it is hilarious the mumbling to himself the complaining is so funny and the way he kind of gets pulled into this sort of human servant role, I was cracking up every time Hugo came into the scene. But yeah, there was a lot of, I cannot, I still cannot believe how much I chuckled at this movie and was like surprised. Listen, it's not going to win any Oscars, but I am going to recommend it to everybody because it did. It made me giggle and I loved the rock star cameos and I loved the like little like the movie definitely felt like it was trying to make fun of itself which I am here for tropes I hate I did not like the whole kill the sire and the other vamps turn human thing it was convoluted it was unnecessarily confusing and and I hate it I, I listen I have seen ways for vampires to be cured but it's usually a special magic or they haven't completed the turn so we see this in vampire diaries um, vampire diaries specifically, they had the cure. It was like a one, one person gets it kind of thing and it's ancient. Okay, fine. Um, in supernatural, we see a cure, but it only works if you haven't fed. So if you have not fully turned, they can bring you back. And in vampire diaries, we do see the whole, like, if one of the originals dies, their whole bloodline dies. That is more interesting because that adds a lot of pressure to vampires who maybe hate the originals but 
they don't want to risk that that's the originator of their specific bloodline. So unless you can trace your bloodline all the way back and you know which one of those originals turned you, it's not worth it. So that's interesting. The idea that you kill your maker and turn human, I hated it. I hated it. So, and I'm not a big fan of like magic gets you out of everything, but I would have chosen magic over this. I, I did not like it at all. All right, everybody's favorite part, the ratings. How evil or scary are the vampires of Suck? Okay, so they're vampires. They can spread very easily and very quickly. So we do have to remember that. And it appears that possibly they can be in the sun if they needed to. Uh, we do see them kill a good number of people. The scene in the gas station is particularly gruesome and hilarious. Then they get someone to chop up the bodies for them. So I don't think these vampires should be taken lightly. However, they are played a little on the cheesy side. The vampires from the first party are pretty easy to recognize as vampires right out of the gate. So they're not hiding so well. So I give the vampires of suck a middle of the road, five out of 10 stakes to the heart. It feels a little bit like a cop out to give them five out of 10, but I'm sticking with it. I am so sorry, guys. I have to keep pausing to cough. So I'm almost done. This is going to be a quick one today. This is a good one to come back with because, oh my goodness. All right. I say, as I've just sniffled, how sexy and alluring are the vampires of suck. So this is actually a very good example of what I mean when I talk about allure. Once turned, Jennifer almost appears ethereal to the crowd. They're commenting on the website, she's mesmerizing, and suddenly the band has this huge following because people are so drawn to her. That is what I mean when I say allure, that enthrall. Now, the only caveat, like I said, is that it doesn't seem to work on the male vampires. I mean, the first vampire, Queenie, does get Jennifer to go to a party with him, which shocked everybody who was watching because he, he's a weirdo. Um, so maybe he has a little bit of that allure. He was able to draw her into a party. But she was also really mad at her band members, so she might have just wanted to get away from them. So I don't know. And while, yes, they are alluring, they don't seem to be particularly sexual. We never see them overwhelmed with lust or use each other or humans for sex, but they do have a whole like rock star appeal. So I had to think about this for a minute and I had to ask myself, are they more sexy than evil? The answer is no. So I went with four out of 10 onks for sexiness and allure. So my thoughts, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I thought it would be so bad that I would have to force myself to finish, but that is not true. Suck did not suck. Yes, I, I couldn't wait to use that line. There were some really funny moments. It was interesting enough to hold my attention. I love Kids in the Hall and this movie had that same type of like fun underlying its story. It felt like the cast was having fun. It felt like the writers had fun with it. 
and um, I really enjoyed that. It was refreshing. Like I said, Queenie randomly breaks out into song as he's preparing to turn Jenny. And the scenes of the hearse traveling from town to town are a mix of a blood map, an obviously model car on a fake terrain. It's so cheesy that it's perfect. And holy cameos, Batman. The number of rock stars that randomly show up in this movie will keep you watching. And the implication at the end is that Alice Cooper is the devil, which I am here for. All in all, I, I, I gotta be honest, if there was a sequel, I'd watch it. I, I just found it to be fun. It was like, it was like, I don't know, it was like hanging out with your college friends and talking about the movie that you would write um, or coming up with, with some crazy story and then turning it into this movie. It just felt like fun. Felt like everybody was having fun. I guarantee they all recognized it was not the greatest movie ever made, but they had fun with it. And like I said, if you love rock and you love vampires, then you'll you'll really enjoy this movie because it just there's all the little references. And Dave Foley, he was so funny in his role. And um, shout out to the guy that played Hugo because I just anytime he walked on screen, I was like, oh, this will be good because he had such great moments and such great lines. So yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I thought it was quick, it was simple, it was easy. Um, definitely wasn't the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I enjoyed it. I don't know if I'd ever sit down and watch it again. I probably would. Like, if I had a bunch of friends over and we were sitting around having drinks, I'd be like, guys, you have to watch this movie. So yeah, it might come on my screen again, but uh, I... <laughs> Listen, one of the joys of doing this podcast is being able to stumble across little gems like this. For those of you who have made it to the end, um, the next episode is going to be one. When I go to cons and I'm talking to people, I'm always like, I'll be surprised if you can tell me a movie I haven't seen. And somebody did. And boy, for the life of me, I wish I could remember her name. Um, but she was at the Supernatural Con. She was set up and we were talking and she said, you have to watch this movie. So the movie is Lesbian Vampire Killers. Now, if you look it up on IMDb, they have changed it to Vampire Killers, probably to not be offensive. Um, but it wasn't, it's not that old of a movie. I think it was the late 2000s. Shockingly has James Corden in it. I was surprised that I had never heard of this movie. So I guess it just was under my radar. Radar. I mean, it came out at a time when I had two very, very small children, so I'm sure I just missed it. Um, but I just watched that one too. And let me just say, no, you know what? You guys are gonna have to tune in next week to hear my thoughts. So I got two horror comedies in a row, which I, I genuinely needed. I am re-watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, plus I just watched Supernatural. Both of those shows I love, but they have very heavy themes to them. Especially towards the end, they start to get kind of heavy. So it was nice to have a couple horror comedies, especially when I was laying in bed sick. So I really, really enjoyed um, taking a break from the darker material, but don't worry. I'm heading back into the darkness soon. But I hope you guys are doing well. I hope everybody is happy and healthy. Thank you as always for listening to this. 
I look forward to um, uploading the next episode and interacting with you guys. If you didn't make it to um, Toronto, but you do want to meet me, I I'm going to be a plenty of other places here soon. So just keep an eye on that appearances tab. I might be coming uh, closer to you. I'm venturing further and further away from Pittsburgh. Um, so you never know. I might end up close to you. So keep an eye on those appearances. As always, I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.